0: Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guests on today's podcast are my friends Jordan Hanks and Adam Paulson. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, These two men are um, getting married um, soon, sometime in 2021 or 2022. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they're obviously in a same-sex relationship. They both have served missions. They come from active LDS homes. They're good men with good careers and good academic background and are raising a son together. And um, some would ask, well, why would you do a podcast with a couple living outside the doctrine of our church? And that's a fair question for those of you that haven't listened to the podcast. And I'm an active LDS member, and I do these podcasts to try to bring us together the same human family. Elder Cook in conference in October of 2020 talked about unity and diversity, and I think our heavenly parents knew that there would be great diversity in their children. There's world religions. Um, As we know, most of the world population is not members of our church. He has LGBTQ children scattered throughout the globe. And I think it makes them happy when we come together in unity in our differences. That's certainly the story of Tom Christofferson in his book, That We May Be One. One to me is a great visual of one in unity. Well, obviously, when Tom Christofferson was in a same sex relationship, you know, he was living outside the doctrine of our church. So, we all know that Jordan and Adam were living outside the doctrine of our church. That's a given. Um, but this is more about the reality of the path that they've chosen. What can we do to support this couple? Um, for those of you that are active Latter day Saints, wondering, how do, am I condoning or how do I find a, a way to support people and not sell up my religion? My hope is that this podcast, as well as the book I've written, help all of us come together to be able to support people on the best path forward that they feel is right for them and leave any judging to um, our Savior and our Heavenly Parents in their perfect understanding. So this will be a story from Jordan and Adam sharing their journey. And uh, we said a prayer before, and we just pray that a spirit will be here, these Men believe in God and feel like they have been guided with personal revelation to find each other and to find this path in life. And some would say, well, how does that work? And just as a Latter-day Saint, I just feel like I honor everybody's personal revelation. I don't have, my personal revelation doesn't give me a right to judge other personal revelation. And I just honor how people feel the best way to move forward in their life and realize that at times people face complexities in their life that I don't fully understand. Are you okay with an introduction, Ben?
1: Yeah, my gosh, we can just end it there. (laughs) Thank you.
0: So um, uh, they, like many of our guests, have come with an outline that helps the podcast flow further and it helps me as a moderator um, because my goal is to really get my guests sharing. And a couple more thoughts come to my mind before I stop talking is... um, the biggest reason I'm in this space is um, to reduce suicide and to give hope to closeted LGBTQ people. And perhaps hearing a podcast like this from Jordan Adam does give somebody hope that they're choosing suicide and they just feel like there's no path forward for them. And perhaps while a same sex relationship is outside the doctrine of our church, it may be the hope that somebody needs closeted, that maybe there's a path forward. Um, And I just, I think we can all agree that um, keeping people alive is really important. Um, so, this podcast may help somebody in that spot. It may help parents that are um, facing the reality of a same sex marriage in their family know how to navigate this and keep the family circle together. It may help you if you're LGBTQ, if you're in um, the church or not, that you're, we'll hear things from Jordan and Adam that will help you. So that's our joint prayer. And um, I'm going to turn it over to these good men. Um, I'll do a little bit of a bio. Um, No, uh, yeah, I usually do. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to start with Adam. Adam grew up in Sandy, went to Bingham High School. He's about 30 years old.
2: Yep, he's turned 30.
0: He has a degree in accounting from um, college here in Utah. He is um, the father of a son who is how old?
2: He's about to turn seven.
0: He's about seven. Um, Adam obviously was married to a woman. He After his mission, he got married. They had a child and then Adam came out and that marriage ended and he's now found Jordan. And so that son is part of this relationship too. Um, you're a project manager in finance and uh, sounds like you've got a good career going. Yeah, I do. So that's a little bit about Adam. Jordan is in his early 30s, grew up in Bountiful, um, served a mission in Russia. I've been to Russia. Um, oh, really? We went on a cruise in the Baltic Sea and stopped in Russia, St. Petersburg. <laughs> and um, it was cold there, but it was beautiful. And I realized St. Petersburg is not representative of, all of Russia. No. So we really didn't go to full Russia. Um, he um, Jordan is has a is a real estate agent. Um, owns his own business. Um, has a degree in business and communications, and also went back to school for a degree in interior design. Um, As I mentioned, both of these uh, men come from active LDS parents with fathers serving in leadership assignments in the church and families that have given much to the growth of the church. And these men also, in their service, um, have given a lot to the church. Both these men are not active in the church at this point, but hold a belief in God and a belief in personal revelation to guide their way forward. So how's that for an introduction, Jordan? That's really good. So now I'm going to ask you a question. Just continue with an overview, an introduction to who you are and what your lives look like.
1: Sure. So first of all, thank you very much for having us. We're grateful to be here. Um, Adam and I have been together for three years. Uh, We've been engaged for a little over a year. Uh, COVID kind of messed with our wedding plans. We were supposed to get married this last year and didn't work out. So we'll be getting married at some point in the next year. We're just being picky and want it to be perfect. So, well, that's me mostly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we live in Saratoga Springs. We moved there about a year ago. And um, when we met, Adam, you know, had, had gotten divorced a few months prior to that and had just kind of started dating. And I had been dating for quite some time already. I'd been out for a few years. And, um, so he was in, we were both living in Sandy. He was at his family's house and I was with some roommates and we met on Tinder and hit it off right away. I mean, I dated, (laughs) I feels like all of Salt Lake city and, and I just knew right away that he was different. So we hit it off and things moved really quickly. We ended up getting a house in Murray where we lived for just about a year and a half. And then we moved to Saratoga about last year, so. What was different about Adam? Oh, besides everything. um, Adam, I could just feel that he, I mean, he just got me, like, from minute one, our conversation, and I, I had really high standards. I mean, just because I am gay and was no longer active in the church didn't mean that I was uh, you know, trying to meet people at the club or you know in that in that scene. Um, not that there is, you know, I mean there can be danger or harm there, I guess. But for me, it just felt more authentic to continue dating the way I always had. And so I was I was meeting a lot of people just for dinner or for for a drink, and that's what him and I did. We we met for dinner and. I could just tell right away that he carried himself in a way that that was honorable. And it was just impressive to me. And then obviously, conversation was just really good. And, and I felt very quickly like this was someone that I could see myself dating long term. And I'm pretty sure it was mutual right away, Mm because things just moved really quickly. And um, I remember the day before I went on my, my date with Adam. Graham was three at the time. Graham is Adam's, as you said, um, son from his marriage with his ex-wife. But the day before my first date with Adam, I was talking to one of my best friends who was very accustomed to me sending her a picture. This is who I'm going out with. What do you think? You know, trying to get the stamp of approval. And I uh, hadn't met Adam yet. And I I had always known that I wanted to be a dad and that it was part of my Calling journey. I, I grew up raising, helping my mom raise my siblings. We adopted essentially triplets when I was nine. And I've always been around kids and I've always really loved that and felt like I was good with children. And I've always just known that that was part of my path. But being gay, I didn't know how that would ever happen. And I knew that being gay would come with complications. And I, could come with complications. And I would need to find the absolutely right, perfect, like, not a perfect person, but the perfect person for me, for me to feel comfortable having a child with that person. And, you know, there's just a lot of questions with that. How would that happen? What would that look like? And the day before my first day with Adam, I texted my friend and I said, I've just been having this really strong feeling that I, I could probably become a dad or a father figure, I should say, by marrying someone who already has a child. It just kind of felt like that was like really likely. And then I met Adam the next day and he obviously told me about Graham. That was the only thing, you know, we matched on Tinder. That's how we met. And his profile basically just said like, don't even bother if you're not cool with kids, (laughs) like something like that. And that's why I was interested. I I just loved the idea of that and this cute little three-year-old. So on our first date, I heard all about Graham. And in a way that felt very respectful and careful, Adam quickly let me be a part of Graham's life. And anyway, long story longer, now, now, three years later, we live in Saratoga Springs with Graham and we share time with, um, you know, before for ground between us and, and, uh, Adam's ex, but life couldn't be better. We're super happy to be here. Um, we don't really, we're not that loud about who we are or what we believe or what we're doing. And, and, uh, we're just really grateful for the chance to kind of talk, talk with you who we're just very grateful for this space that you're kind of providing for us. And, yeah. Is that good? Is that, that, is a good, great. Is that an okay intro? I, That's a great... I told you I'm going to ramble. I just get going. Sorry,
0: Adam, do you, you know, the next question here on my list is Jordan's growing up and coming out and then Adam's growing up and coming out. Do you want to go to that now or do you have some things you want to share right now? Adam?
2: You know, I think you kind of covered a, a really good amount of our intro. So um, yeah, I, I think the only thing I'll add to kind of this story about how we met is uh, it was the same thing for me. We we went on our first date, and from that, from the moment we met, we knew it was different. I remember, shortly after dating, you know, starting dating him, telling him, you know, that phrase. You know, the old, the the cute little old guy gets up at his fiftieth an- you know, wedding anniversary <laughs> party, and says, "I married the most beautiful woman in the world." And I, I always I always heard that and said, eh, he's just a cute, charming little old guy. And and then the the wife would get up and say, I married the most, you know, handsome husband, and they they're just cute. And I always thought, you know, that's just them being cute and funny. And it wasn't until I met Jordan uh, that I said to him, I said, I actually feel that. Like I feel like you are way out of my league. And he would reply and say, that's exactly how I feel. And it was, it was kind of just this magical moment of us feeling so connected and so perfect for each other.
0: Talk, um, Adam, I'm going to get Adam talking about his story first, sure. growing up and coming out.
2: Yeah. So like you said, I grew up in Sandy. My, my family was active LDS and I just did what any active LES boy would do. I would go to you know scouting trips and was active in all my quorums and went participated in all the youth activities. I just did everything I could to be the perfect son to my my parents. And all the meanwhile, I knew something was different about myself and that I wasn't like the other other boys in my my ward um, I knew I was attracted to, to other other guys but I didn't know what that was um, I had been kind of trained and taught that homosexuality was something like it was a temptation was something that if you do what you're supposed to and you have faith it goes away and so I went on my whole life believing that I went on a mission, I came back and I got married. Um, I continued down the path of do what I was supposed to do and this would go away. And, you know, after having been married for seven years and having had a kid together, I had this moment of realization that that wasn't going to change for me, that this was who I am. And the best thing for me and my family was to be authentic and honest. So that's exactly what I did. I came out to my wife, and it was a really challenging time. We didn't know what to do. And I decided to go on a, a walk and, you know, figure out who I was in this moment and really ask God, what was I supposed to do in this moment? I had done everything I thought I was supposed to be doing. And it led me to exactly where I was at that moment and I asked God and after the end of my walk and having had that moment with God I had my answer and the answer was God was proud of me God was happy with what I had done and where I was going to be going with my life and regardless of what decision I made I knew he loved me I knew he supported me and so I I did what I thought I was supposed to do and and we ended up getting divorced, and it was a really heartbreaking and terrible time for everybody involved, for my family, her family. It was, it was really heartbreaking. But um, I look back standing here today in the happiest relationship I could ever be in, and I'm beyond grateful for all of my experiences because it's it's got me to where I am today with an amazing soon-to-be husband and amazing child.
0: Thanks for sharing so much of that and um, sharing a little bit about your marriage. You did that in a very appropriate way. And, you know, it's just a complex space listeners. I, we've done some podcasts that have released before this of couples in successful mixed orientation marriages. And I wouldn't want anybody to turn to that podcast and sort of send it to somebody and say, this is how you do it. I think, every LGBTQ person just needs to navigate the space the best way they can. And our job is to support the individual decisions people make versus sort of prescribe, okay, so you've come out. I'm going to call you guys the wrong name and get you confused, but I'm going to try not to. And they could say, Adam, well, this is what you do. You still stay in your marriage. And some marriages do. How When you came out to your wife and sort of came out perhaps to your family, how close did you... Did you feel like concurrent with that? It sounds like you did. You got personal revelation that this marriage, I should go in a mm-hmm. different direction. And do you want to talk any more about that? Or did you consider we could make this work? And why, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of stories where they work. Why did, did that just, and maybe you'd already tried to make it work up until that point and you already would come to that conclusion.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was a really hard moment for, for both me and my ex and, you know, from all of the conversations we had had about it in those, you know, the day or two that I had come out and from that moment till the moment I, we separated it, it was, I could tell the feeling, the major feeling that was coming out was, um, kind of betrayal. I had gone seven years hiding who I was to my wife and, and I could understand that she felt that she didn't know who I was and that this was, you know, it was just as bad as having had an affair with someone. And with that much hurt, we knew that the best thing was to give each other space. And it felt that felt like the right thing to do as we had gone through that. So we knew that having given each other space, and you know, me having had my personal revelation and feeling confident in my journey with my heavenly Father, I I knew that. That's where I needed to go.
0: Thanks for just being honest. Those are tender questions. <laughs> um, and I just, you know, I want all marriages succeed listeners, but also just honor married people that just feel their path is not to keep a marriage together. And once again, my personal revelation doesn't give me insight to know what the best personal revelation for you and your ex-wife was in that situation. I think that's a core fundamental part of our church doctrine is everybody seeks personal revelation and, and that's a real key part of uh, my belief system. So I just honor that. And and maybe in, when we all get on the other side and have the long view of this, and you're kind of having a long view already since it's been a few years, we start to see sometimes why these decisions are the right things to do and allows perhaps your ex-wife and and you to move forward in a way that I don't want to write the vocabularies, but I just, the best way forward, given the realities of your situation, also recognize, um, just the work you've done to try to make this work as a gay Latter-day Saint. Um, Mm -hmm. and you certainly didn't go into that marriage thinking I want to hurt somebody or betray somebody. You went in that marriage because that's the path, right? You wanted a family, you wanted a wife, you wanted everything you've dreamed for your whole life. And, and so I recognize that part of that was just you wanted to do the very best you can, and it came a point where you recognize this just isn't working. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes those moments are best in the long term, but painful in the short term.
2: Yeah, I mean that that was a lot of the kind of processing um, experience that I was going through too. Was you know we got we got married relatively young, um, and. We were still pretty young when we got to the point where we were considering separation, and I I knew I, I with with the revelation I had had and my experience, I I knew I couldn't commit or promise a forever husband to her anymore, and we were still so young that I was confident that she would be able to find her her forever person and be happy and she would be happier with someone else than she would have been with with me at that point so that you know having that perspective was um really helpful and really important in in that decision
0: so that's that's good and um I, I, those you know I realize there's a degree of unselfishness even though you probably like all partners when you break up regret some things you did and make some mistakes, but there's a degree of unselfishness and you're trying to see a big picture here. Mm-hmm. So, um, anything more to add? I want, I want to, if not, I'm going to go to Jordan and have Jordan tell us coming out story. Any more thoughts? On your no, mind, go Eddie? ahead. Let's hear okay. It. So Jordan, tell us more of your coming out story.
1: Well, I, I knew I was gay from the time I was in elementary school. But I didn't really know what that meant. I mean, this is, I'm 32 and we just weren't talking about it back then like we are now. I had no clue what the word gay, I don't even remember if I knew what the word gay meant, but I had crushes on the kids on the playground. And in junior high, I was intimidated by the guys, not the girls. And I had a lot of friends that were girls. I remember one night crying to my mom because I mean, there was a lot of bullying, you know, whether it's because I my handwriting looks like a girl's handwriting or the way that I talk or I didn't even know I just was being me. I was a little kid and I was in junior high. I don't remember what grade, but I was crying to my mom and I was so scared to tell her why I was upset. And she got it out of me that I, I was so upset because the kids at school were telling me making fun of me for being gay. And I remember saying, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that means. And how how would they even know? You know, and so I, I was a really good kid. I was very obedient. I was a great student. I I did what I was asked and told from teachers and leaders and parents. and And I just always did my best. And as I got into high school, I remember feeling an increasingly... Uh, I I remember feeling overwhelmed at the big decisions that were coming, going on a mission. uh, That would mean I would then come home from my mission at some point and get married to a woman. And I was starting to understand these feelings I had, but we still weren't talking about it. You know, I remember I, I I had this really sweet grandma who passed away kind of recently, but she was, um, she was a widow for quite a few years. And, I can't even remember now if this was actually when she was a widow or not. So forgive me for the lack of detail. But I was a little kid and she had this acquaintance or friend. I don't even know who this person was. I was too young to know the details, but he was gay and he was middle aged. I don't know how old he was, but I don't know, 40, maybe 50. And she let him come and live with her and i didn't know the details i just kind of gathered that his life had been hard and it was it was just a really confusing time for me because i was starting to understand what i was and who i was and i remember hearing family members talk about how they didn't want the children to be around and how they had to explain to their children who this person was and and why we're not going around them and it was just it was it was quite traumatic for me. So that was kind of my first exposure, at least in my memory, um, that that was my first real exposure to a gay person. And then I went on a mission. I I served in Russia and, and had a really hard time. You know, I loved my mission. I'll always say I loved my mission, but it was really hard and it was really painful. Um, Because every day I was teaching people these principles that weren't aligning with my gut. Like who I knew I was and where I felt I would go eventually in life. And so that was really hard. I came home from my mission. And like Adam, I started dating as fast as I could. But I... Women. Women, excuse me. Yeah. Women. Started dating women um and then started dating men in secret and when i say dating men i mean dating men i wasn't sleeping around i wasn't hooking up with people but i was experimenting i was trying to figure out what this was and that can't be good for very long you know and i was young and single and um and then as i'm coming to terms with who i am i'm in a young single adult ward and i chose to confide confide in one of my church leaders. Um, and then I found myself in the bishop's office and the stake president's office and going through those processes. And it was it was even more traumatic. And all the while, you know, I'm I'm believing in God. I'm understanding that all these people I'm talking to that are helping me are, are doing their best. But it was it was just really hard. And I was hearing really hurtful things that I know they weren't, um, I I think it was just a lack of, it was ignorance. It was a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding this, this still, I mean, this was 12 years ago at this point, kind of another time. And around that same time I met a girl and we fell in love and I got engaged to her. And then that ended on her accord. And, And looking back, I'm grateful it did. You know, she... We were trying to do what we thought was right, but the Spirit led her elsewhere, and I'm glad it did. Because now she's off living her life beautifully, and, and I'm mine, and who knows what would have happened if I would have ended up marrying her.
0: Talk about fell in love with her and what that means, because some would say, well, you fell in love with a woman. What well,
1: is- that's what that's what my family all said. You know, there was a time when I wish that hadn't have happened, because it gave family members ammunition almost to, to say, well, it happened, it can happen again. So now you are choosing to be gay. And I knew I wasn't choosing to be gay. I was made this way from our Heavenly Father. But I I remember feeling like I wished that that hadn't happened. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm glad it did. I, I was very young. And I was so determined to do what I felt I should what I'd been taught I should. And that meant getting married. And I have never, I was never like um, faking my attraction. I think we just connected. And then it just grew on all levels. But there was always something missing. There was always this um, like void that I felt. And the worst part was I knew that she would never get to know the, the true me. And, you know, I spent my life trying to, um, suppress parts of me, uh, that I liked. I, but, but I, I spent time being insecure about them, whether it was that I'm sensitive or that I like singing or that I like chick flicks or what you know, whatever it was, or that I have good handwriting. I mean, I would write my name so sloppy so that the teacher, you know, would think I, you know, wouldn't figure out that I was gay. It just, there's so much psychological harm that comes when you start hearing comments, innocent comments from peers and family and friends. And when I got in this relationship with this girl, I just it was enough to satisfy me, um, like emotionally and, you know, physically. I mean, we were following the commandments, the law of chastity. So I'd, it's not like I was exploring that route and it was great. I, I don't know. Um, but I don't know if that answers your question. I just knew that that it wasn't going to be. It just wasn't going to be all of me. She was just always getting only part of me and it felt wrong. And what was really discouraging was um, I was being encouraged by loved ones, by church leaders in particular to just because they knew I was gay. I had been in their offices, the same offices, you know, where I had met this girl. This was our student ward and um, they were all encouraging me to marry her anyway and they were giving me blessings every week, and I, I just felt like it would go away. I just thought I could, or or maybe if it didn't go away, it would just be so small of a problem that it wouldn't... it wouldn't ruin anything. And then my leaders are here telling me, just, this is the right thing to do. and and it felt wrong not to tell her. And I was being encouraged not to, it just wasn't important. It wasn't like they wanted me to be deceitful. But in hindsight, it felt like I was being deceitful. It wasn't like they were saying, you know, keep this lie. Make sure you never tell her. They were just, they were teaching me that, you know, this is just, this is just something you struggle with. And if you're faithful and prayerful and faithful to your wife, the the Lord will bless you with this. And so it's not important to tell her. And it just felt very wrong to me.
0: And listeners, um, this is a good segment. We're just trying to do better. So sometimes when we talk about difficult church leader experiences, my goal isn't to be critical of church leaders. I don't think that's Jordan's goal. It's just to help us to do better by having these conversations. Um, yeah, I,
1: and if, if I may ahead. interrupt, I, I have... I mean, we'll talk more about this, but Adam and I don't have any ill will towards the church. And I don't, I don't have much anger, if at all, in my heart towards the church or these leaders or family or friends or anything. I just share it because I think there's a lot of judgment that comes at people like Adam and myself, who seem to be deceitful on this on the surface. With Adam, he was
0: married and he. And you'd you know, be encouraged to be married and not share your yeah, sexual not orientation. Be truthful.
1: Or just based on like the core teachings that we grew up hearing, we, based on our testimonies, believed that it would just not matter in the big picture, that it would go away. It was never about lying. It was never about conning someone into being with us or, you know.
0: So um, there's a couple of thoughts. One is I really admire these men not have anger towards the church because I meet with a fair amount of people that do feel pretty angry and I've learned to honor. Usually anger is a secondary emotion to pain and and some feel pain as there's not a place for them at church if they're gay and they're just faced with kind of these impossible church choices because they actually love the church and they actually love not to spend their life alone. yeah, And to be able to share it with someone and that sort of box can be really painful and can generate anger. And I've learned to honor anger And I've always felt, listeners, if you feel that anger, the atonement of Jesus Christ can kind of heal in your relationship with Heavenly Parents. And I think you've done that. And I think your core fundamental belief in God and and the Savior, even though you don't participate in the church, has allowed you to navigate that. And I think you're in a great spot spiritually, and emotionally. I do think when we're counseling people as a singles word bishop, I'd like to lay out principles for personal revelation and then not tell people what to do. So I think it's hard. I don't know what I would have done in your situation. I don't want to second guess those leaders, but I think I would have probably encouraged you to, you know, this is your, these are the principles, honesty, communication, trust that are the foundation points of a healthy marriage. So you need to perfectly figure out how to process this with your future wife.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that empowers you to own your future versus me sort of as a leader saying, this is what you should do.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And I think that makes for better decisions. And then even as a leader, you're not then responsible as much because you haven't really made the decision. Yeah. And often I didn't know what the right decision was. Now, sometimes a priest's blessing would be a little different because I felt like that was God directly talking. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm going to ask a question. I need to move on because we've got more, but, Uh, You said you had some difficult experiences in those. If I'm a YSA bishop and you're coming in and, and I don't know if those were sin related or just if you're opening up about transgressions, what could I do? You don't need to talk about, you know, any specifics, but if you're going to open up to me about transgressions and I'm going to honor our doctrine, but make the experience better for you, any advice for me without, because I, I have, I believe in our doctrine I want to honor our doctrine and the bishop. So I can't sort of, create a different path for you, but I want to create, I want this to be a positive experience for you. Sure.
1: Oh, I mean, it's a tough question. I, I think first and foremost, listening to me and not just listening to what I had done, but like my feelings and and what I'm going through. And, And I think, you know,
0: that's actually a pretty good. I hope you realize that's a I think a good answer. Because if I I could just focus on the transgression or what you've done, quote unquote.
1: Yeah. And I and think... make
0: the whole conversation about that and sort of triggering the repentance process. But I yeah. think I could still do that as your bishop, but I think I could also take the time to listen and sort of try to understand. I call it the iceberg principle. Sometimes what's occurring above the iceberg is transgression. But if I want to really minister to you, I kind of have to put that on the shelf and sort of get below the iceberg and hear the full totality of the situation. So I'm answering your question a little bit for you.
1: Well, that's fine. I I think this space you're creating and because of more, you know, literature, research, um, whatever, we've come a long ways in 12 years. I recognize that. And I don't think that those leaders were trying at all to hurt me or break my heart or scar, whatever, you know, I I think they were doing what they, they believed they should. And I don't fault them for that. Um, so I think now to answer your question, I just think naturally you, you would listen you and and most people would, I think whether it's a young 21 year old return missionary or a, a 30 year old single person going through this, who knows if they have family support who knows if they're seeing a therapist who knows if they have a best friend they can confide in and even if they do there's like this different level of respect and um like love and trust when you're going to a church leader i mean the church was my life i understand the the importance like you know i i just felt so safe talking initially talking to my leaders there's this like weight that comes with understanding and honoring what the priesthood means. And the fact that these men were, were there to lead me and to guide me and to bless me. So I don't know if that's an answer to your question, but I just think that today it would just be different and it would be better.
0: And I'm reminded of a story of another gay man who's been on the podcast. I don't think he shared this story on the podcast, but he just opened up to a singles word Bishop about kissing a guy. Yeah. And the bishop just looked away in disgust. And it was oh, wow. such a shaming yeah. experience. And I might have done the same thing, listeners. I, um, But I, I think I'd handle that differently now. I'd say, well, thank you for the guts to tell me that. That took a lot of courage.
1: Yeah, it did.
0: And that yeah. doesn't mean that I agree with him kissing a guy. It. What I'm communicating to him is, I want you to tell me what's going on in your life. And sure. I'm a safe person for you. Yeah. And I want to continue to be a safe person for you as your priesthood leader as you make your way forward. Yeah. Um, so now we need to move on. God's okay. um good job, you guys. You're doing a great job. Um, God's role in all of it. Who wants to talk about that one? Um,
2: I you, you know, want- I feel like I kind of shared a lot of my experience with that, with um, you know, my coming out moment with my ex-wife, how I had, had that kind of revelation and, and felt confident that I was, I was being loved. I think the only thing I'd add is that, you know, it's, we still have a relationship with God that it didn't, that didn't happen. And we stepped away from the church and that was the end of it. Right. We still have those moments of, of love and compassion that we feel from our heavenly father. And, um, just because we aren't active doesn't mean we we don't feel that, the spirit and that love.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that can be hard to understand um, for people who aren't gay and who are active in the church, because um, sometimes it can be overly simplified. Like, um, you know, well, if you have a testimony and you believe in your mm-hmm. heavenly father, then then just stay on that path. You know, it just can, it seems so simple, but you don't know what you don't know. And for me, I was, I'm like king analytical. I'm my dad's son. I just like overthink everything and I worry about everything. And my coming out hinged 1000% on my place in God's kingdom. I, it, it was, come out and go to hell or stay in the church and be depressed and live a lie. Essentially. I was talking to a really good friend of mine when I, when I was starting to come out kind of more publicly. um, And I was just horrified about what it would mean for my salvation. And I had had, I'd had a really, really strong testimony of, of, Heavenly Father and all of the principles of our church. But there was always conflict inner, like kind of laced in with everything. Um and this friend of mine had been Mormon and was no longer Mormon, but he was just, he's, he's one of my best friends to this day. And he's he's just a stud all around. He's the most kindest, uh, the most kind, just warm person. And we were talking really late one night, and he could just see the fear in my eyes. He knew that I was gay and that I didn't know what to do. And he said, Jordan, you you do understand that if you come out and you choose to live your life this way, Heavenly Father will still love you. You get that, right? Like, it was like he was shaking me. And I just there was something about his words, the way he looked at me, the the tone, I don't know what it was, the spirit was in the room, for sure. And that was my moment. It was that moment that gave me the courage to, to really start taking this to Heavenly Father in prayer and saying, this is something I'm really considering. And I need to know that I have your blessing, I need to know that things will be okay. I can't, I can't go to hell. I can't, not be with my family. I can't live alone. I, I really need your help with this. And through conversations with some trusted family and some best friends who are all members of the church, I, I started to feel God's love in like this new way that I'd never felt it. It was almost like he knew I was being more honest with him than I'd ever been. And he was like, Responding to that differently for me, he was showing me this new level of love or revelation that I felt like I'd been lacking, and I, I have always said since then that I I felt God's stamp of approval on my decision, um, so clearly, so clearly, and I'm so grateful for that, and it's one of the reasons I I still. i I try and conduct my life the way that i do is because i feel like i'm on this journey with god still and and i owe this journey to him because i would not have done that i i would not have made the choices i've made which in turn would have me here with adam getting married raising a beautiful kid together i wouldn't have that if it wasn't for god so he is very much in the details of our life and even up to most this recent move to saratoga springs like We, there really was no reason to move out there. Um, We just kind of felt like we, it it was was something we wanted to do because we like the house, but it was just, it just felt right. And now that we're out there, I, we talk all the time how grateful we are that we live where we do. The street we live on is so diverse, and we have made so many friends in our neighborhood all of them straight, and most of them Mormon. But the acceptance and the inclusion that we have felt, Graham gets to run down the street on a Saturday and knock on 10 doors, literally, to see if there are kids that can play. He's surrounded by kids. He's having this beautiful childhood. We get to get together with all of our couple friends who have children and have game nights and do dinner. And I just like come home emotional all the time because well, I'm emotional usually anyway. But we we are always talking about how loved and accepted we feel where we live. And I look back to a year ago when we decided to move out there. We know we knew no one like this. This neighborhood was brand new, and I know for a fact that we were guided to where we live. And these these people that are touching our lives are telling us that we're touching theirs. And the way that we live gets to open minds and hearts on our our street, just our street, even if it's those few houses. It just feels like a miracle. You can't tell me that God's hand isn't in that. So we're just overall really grateful for his hand still in our lives.
0: It's a great segment. You know, listeners, I really believe that our heavenly parents love us and nothing we can do can take a, us outside the circle of their love and their desire to be involved in our lives. And and that's different than fully participating in the church. You obviously can't fully participate in the church. You, you can't answer all the temple recommend questions. So sometimes we take that logic and think that's the way our heavenly parents feel about us. And I, I think as a parent, I just... You know, I want all of my kids, the only way I can think about it as a parent, I want all of my kids to know that nothing they can do can take them outside of my love and my desire to be involved in their lives and continue to give them guidance. And so I love that you learned that. And I love that you felt impressed to go to Saratoga Springs. And I love that your neighborhood is practicing the doctrine in reality of love thy neighbor as thyself. Oh, yeah. And accepting you um, kind of as an equal couple in their neighborhood. Yeah. Allowing your son to play with their kids and their kids to play with you and recognizing that um, you're a family. And yeah. we want strong families. You're different fa- I don't know if different's the right word than a straight couple, a man and a woman being together, but you are but two we are equal.
1: non-traditional. We stand out on our street. Yeah. yeah.
0: But you are <laughs> two people are committed to each other and committed to raising a child. And I, I don't know the science behind this, but I think I think children do better in stable families. And you're providing that. Mm-hmm, yeah. And Thank you. um and so that that to me helps. Eliminate societal ills. I think um, one of the societal ills, and I don't want to be negative here if, if you're not able to have a father in your kids' lives, is fatherless society, that a lot of children don't have a father. And I think the role of a father and a mother is equally important, so I don't want to get too well. Anyway, we've got more to get here in this podcast. Talk about family support. I bet our listeners are wondering how your active LDS parents are responding to having gay son um, yeah, headed towards the same sex marriage.
2: Yeah, I, I'll start. I, I'm actually probably one of the most lucky <laughs> um, gay LBS members out there just because I have really supportive parents and they're really incredible. Um, when I separated from my wife, I ended up having to move in with my parents. So, so this was, is
0: all going down at the same time. They've yeah. got a gay son, marriage is ending. This is sort of yeah, this big bomb line. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I I came out and had to come out not only to my my wife at the time, but now my parents. and and then shortly after all my siblings. So it wasn't this it wasn't really on my terms um, or on my timing, but it was exactly what I needed and had to do. So I'm just grateful that my family was really supportive with it. They, um, I think they always knew I think most parents of of gay sons kind of know. Um, but I was married, so they they obviously had figured that that was just a temptation that it went away that I'm dealing with it and doing good now. And so to have that kind of rear back up for them, I'm sure was even still a little surprising. But, you know, they were great and um, are still great. I, I think they something to to learn though, from their situation is that even though they're great parents, really supportive and really loving, they still make mistakes. They still say some really insensitive and ignorant things that can hurt our feelings. And Jordan and I, but have, they're not trying to do that. You know, I think we're like
1: all conditioned to think a certain way in the church. And these, these things are just kind of habitual. These things mm-hmm. we say.
2: Yeah. So I, I think it's important for parents of LGBTQ members to be really considerate of the, the language and you know, lack of education they probably have on the subject, but also it's important for for the LGBTQ individual to be forgiving and um, be able patient. to yeah be patient with your your family. It's new, it's even more new for them as it is for you. So if they say something rude or what might seem like it's coming out really, really like a dagger at you, it's it's probably them just trying to si- find something to say. Um, to to tell you how they're feeling. they're they're also dealing with something as well. So I, I think it was really important for for me to kind of realize that and um, I'm now to a place where I feel com- comfortable being able to tell my parents when when things like that happen. And I think that's also really important is being able to move past just forgiving and forgetting and it's it's learning and educating now and it's great. Thank you.
1: I think the key to progress is communication. And I think that if discussions aren't happening from both sides, right? Like it's, we have this obligation. If we want our family's love and support, then we need to be open with them. While of course being mindful and respectful and patient, like Adam said, but if, if conversations aren't happening, real, real progress uh, will be like stifled it, it just can't get to where everyone probably wants it to be unless conversations happening so I uh, yeah are you asked is it my turn to talk about my family <laughs> yes oh sorry sorry <laughs> so my family um, my family loves us they are obsessed with being grandparents this is their first grandkid they've ever had. And it'll probably be a while till they have another one. They they love us and they have us over for Sunday dinner and they you know they, they do all the they do all the things. They shower us with love and gifts on Christmas, they treat Adam like he's one of their own. Um, I think my family has always been quite private. And my dad has always been in the, I mean, my family, not just my dad has always been in the spotlight from his callings in the church. And in our community, he's just been pretty involved and active and I know that it rocked their world and it's still rocking their world. And I don't wanna speak for them. And I, I would never want to, um, I, I only ever mean well when I ask for more from them. And I, th- I think it's important that as gay, uh, gay or straight, any, any time that there's some distancing with the church or there's like some, you know, some conflict within the home because a member of the family is no longer active, I think it just, it creates this like really sensitive space. And I think that it's important that the person who, is the cause, quote unquote, be patient, but honest and and open and direct. Because I know if I'm not, and if I hadn't, and if I hadn't been for the last six years, my family wouldn't be as far as they are right now. I'm not taking credit for all of that. I know Heavenly Father's helped them. I know they've, you know, had conversations with other people. And I I'm sending them links to your podcast all the time and asking them to read books and things like that. And it's just a work in progress, I think is, is really all that can be said. I, I know that when I first came out and my, my parents started watching YouTube videos and reading church talks or talking with folks of who had gay children, it was discouraging to them because they were talking to these people who had had years to process this. And they're like, they essentially were saying, yeah, everything's fine. Like, leave your faith at the Savior's feet and everything will work out. And I think for them, it was hard because it was like, well, I'm just starting on this journey. And it's easier said than done. And I think that was discouraging for them. Now, fast forward, what, six years, they've, they've come a really long way. And I know at the end of the day that they love me. I think it's just, there's just complications in, you know, there's like this this barrier almost now. I, they see that I'm no longer in the church. And I think it's resulted in like a little bit of lack of trust when it comes to communication. And that's why I I think the communication is even more important now. So anyway, we are very blessed at the end of the day because there are a lot of families that don't give half the support that both of us have and we'll just keep doing the best we can to do our part, to make sure that everyone's happy and,
0: you know. It's a good segment. It's an honest segment. And, um, I think that's, I really agree that communication can help us bring us together. It doesn't bring us Together and we all have the same thoughts, the same outcomes, but communication, it's back to unity and diversity, but the foundation principle to get to unity is communication Yeah, and talking about this. And um, do either of you want your families to leave the church?
1: No, no. I mean, I can't. <laughs> That'll yeah. never happen. I, I would never want that for them unless that was their, unless they got there themselves. I would never want to be the cause for that. I would never expect them to do that. Um, I don't have a problem with the church. I know I can speak for Adam there too. He would echo that. Um, so I, it doesn't bother me that they're a part of the church. And in fact, I see their struggles with this, them, you know, working through this, and I, I really need and want them to lean on their Savior, who they have a lot of faith in, and who has worked miracles in their life before. And I really, I don't know how they would get to where I would like them to be without the Savior. So yeah, that's my that's answer. very good,
0: really good answer.
2: Yeah, I would absolutely never ask my family to do something like that, or, or would really even want them to. I, I. I, I, all I want is, um, for me to be treated just like I'm treating them and and I respect their choices with their religion and their, their beliefs. And, and that's all I'm asking for my parents is for them to respect mine as well.
0: I, I like your answer there. And I recognize some, um, that don't have a path forward in the church if they're going to have a same sex partner. Um, you know that can lead them to want all their family to leave the church if they're really yeah. going to love them and support them. They all need to leave. And I think what you're teaching is, it doesn't, I don't need to re-say what you said. So what you said just stands on its own. So well, thank and you. If for I that. may,
1: just say one more thing about um, that process for our families and people in general. I think it's I think it's easy to talk about communication, the importance of it, and it's easy to talk about how much the Savior can. Um, you know, ease burdens and and lift and and uh you know, make this okay. I, I know that. I know that the savior and his atonement can do that. All that's easy to talk about, but in terms of being gay and and forcing our parents and our families into this world that's so uncomfortable to them, it's our job to make sure that they feel safe and comfortable in our space talking to us about it. What I mean is like the terminology and and talking about being gay is a really uncomfortable thing to do for straight people sometimes because they don't want to say the wrong thing. True, They don't want to offend us. And while I appreciate that, we're quite open at least, and I would rather have really safe and loving conversation where neither party is quick to take offense. And so I just wanted to throw that in there because I know that, A lot of members that listen to this podcast and otherwise probably just feel so uncomfortable even having the conversations but it it just has to be done in a loving way and if it is then then you really can't say anything wrong
0: and that comes back to great communication i hope people caught um jordan's answer why he wanted his parents to stay in church and his family because of the connection with the savior and the healing power of the atonement that's needed in all of our lives. And this idea that Christ descended below all things and understands. That was a really thoughtful answer from both of you. Um, and I recognize that you're keeping the Savior in your own life, and your Heavenly Father. And there's great common ground in that, um, even though there's differences with your path in the church. Let's talk about Graham. Talk about your the family dynamics with Graham. Talks about his hope for the future, about his possible participation in the church. If you'd encourage that, discourage that. Just talk about Graham.
2: Yeah, I mean Graham's the, has he's gone through a lot. He he his parents got divorced when he was three, and has been having to live in two separate homes. And that's that's a lot for any child. And then you get to add the fun complexity of his dad being gay. And for a three, four, five, six year old that's that's a really challenging topic and thing to understand. Um, overall, he's an incredible kid. I, I'll just say that, and I'm beyond, you know, beyond grateful that I've brought Jordan into our lives because he's not only changed me, Um, but Jordan's been the most incredible father to Graham and has stepped up and just jumped into that role in every aspect of of what being a father is. Um, And it's a challenge for Jordan too, I'm sure you'll get to this, but like being a stepdad is hard. And there aren't as many opportunities for you where you need to, you know, you have to be extra careful about how you do things just because you're, you're the stepdad, even though you feel and act like the father. But the beautiful thing about it too, is that Graham doesn't really see step father or biological father in this whole thing. He's, he's grown up with Jordan his, for majority of his life now and, he sees Jordan as his dad and while we haven't asked him to call him dad or, you know, have a specific word for what Jordan is, we'll find that Jordan is, or Graham is often looking up at Graham, or Jordan and saying, you're the best dad that there is. Or he'll just say some of the cutest things that that helps us know and understand that he gets it and he's feeling loved and that's all we want for him.
1: I I think it's important, um, regardless of if we're gay or straight. I mean, I never really knew what it would be like to be a step-parent. And I, you know, I, I will always deeply respect the fact, the simple fact that I had no part in creating Graham. That was all Adam and his wife. And Graham's, like Adam said, he's just, Graham was, Graham was set up with the tools and the abilities he would need to handle this challenge because he's just a rock star of a kid. And I take no credit for this innate goodness in him that came from his parents and from Heavenly Father. So I just feel so privileged to get to play a role in his life. I don't care if it says dad or bonus dad or stepdad or whatever. I just our goal from day one has been to make sure that Graham feels loved and supported and to make sure that he knows that we love and support his mom. And we will do everything we can to give him this dream of a life, you know, and, and he feels it. It's just, I I always talk about Saratoga Springs because I just am so grateful we're there, but I, I overheard the cutest conversation. He was outside with a bunch of kids a couple of weeks ago and you know, kids, they're just like spewing off the most random comments. And he just, he met these new kids at, at this neighborhood get together we had and said, Hey guys, guess what? Or they, I think they asked him where he lives. And he said, well, I have two houses. I live in that yellow house. And then I live with my mom in West, you know, up North in West Jordan. And they said, Oh, cool. And he said, yeah, I have two dads, one mom and seven chickens. Cause we have <laughs> chickens where we live. And, they're like kids are great. They're great. Yeah. And, and, and the kids, things. yeah, the kids were like, cool. <laughs> Let's go play. You know, they're just
0: they don't complicate it either.
1: They don't complicate it. And and I feel confident, you know, I grew up, I was quite judgmental. I things were black and white for me in my mind, and especially as I grew into a teenager. I if if someone had blue hair or a tattoo, they were not good. And I'm so grateful that this journey has brought me to where I am because I feel like it's made me much more loving. And we're doing our best to help Graham be kind and loving to everyone, especially if they're different.
0: When Graham gets a little older and can go to church, we encourage him to go to church, be neutral on that, discourage that. How are you going to handle that?
2: I mean, I think... Neutral is probably like a really good way for me to feel about it. I encourage Graham to follow what he wants to do, um, although the church may not be the right place for me in Jordan. We we don't feel like that's necessarily has to be the case for, for him. For, yeah, it might be for might be the best place for for Graham. We see a lot of beautiful things come out of the church, and we would only want our son to follow be be comfortable following his own heart.
0: If Graham felt desire to be baptized at age eight, would you go?
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah. We'll be there holding signs. All of our our families
1: will be there. I mean, yeah, he's got all the support in the world.
0: I asked that question kind of knowing the answer listeners, just that I think you're trying to extend grace, um, to your family, not ask him to leave the church. And you're trying to, I think there's a core principle of just grace, that everybody's doing the best we can. Please extend grace to us as we're doing the best in our lives. Um, face being gay Latter-day Saints, and we're trying to extend the grace to you to go forward in your life the best way possible. And let's come together using communication and common-based principles and the doctrine of Christ to to do that. And we, as Latter-day Saints, sometimes I think because of understanding the plan of salvation should be the most kind um, to people walking all paths, because we believe um, in these loving heavenly parents that ultimately, you know, are kind of in charge and know best about the roads we walk. Sure. Um, Talk about this last segment, just talk about pros and cons to rate. Well, no, I'm going to, yeah, I am going to ask that question. Just talk about kind of pros and cons to raising non-traditional um, blended family. This may apply, you know, this may be helpful for lots of listeners.
1: Yeah, my answer is pretty brief on this. And then I'll let Adam talk about it. But I feel I-, I love the challenge that we have the opportunity we have to change people's minds, to soften hearts, or to change perceptions. And And I'm not perfect at that and never will be. But it really motivates me and gives me hope when I see it happening. So the fact that we get to walk our dog down the street with grandma on his scooter and all the neighbors are waving to us or we are stopping and dropping grandma for a play date or whatever, it it tells me that change is happening. And I remember when I decided to come out, I felt like I wanted to be a part of that. I didn't want to just stand by and, and... hope it happened. I wanted to really be a part of it. And I found myself the greatest man I've ever met who, who walks next to me and with me and feels, feels so strongly that we are, are good people and that we're good examples of, of what Christ would want us to be still. And so that's my answer. I, I think, um, The con is obviously that we still face quite a lot of judgment and harsh comments and things like that, but the pros just outweigh it and I wouldn't trade
0: it for the world. Adam, any thoughts on that? And then I'm going to ask you a different question.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the amazing thing about raising the family we are is that, like Jordan said, we're softening the hearts of people around us and... That's what we want to do. Is we want to we want to inspire change by being just who we are and making sure that um, others who might be in our same situation feel the confidence that they can have happy and f- fulfilling life, doing whatever they need to do to be happy, and they they can have families, they can have children and dogs and chickens, whatever they want to do. Um, it, it can come with challenges. You you might get weird looks or comments or be judged because, you know, how could you do that to, to your ex? Um, and that was obviously never our, any of our intentions. My intention, I would never have wanted to hurt someone like that, but it's led us to the point we are today in our journeys and I'm grateful we're here.
0: It's a good, I think of as you're talking, Adam, I think of Brene Brown's quote, and I'm paraphrasing, people are hard to hate, close up, move in. Yeah. And I love that quote. I love that. Um, I am going to add another question here because I actually went out of order, listeners, as your moderator, but <laughs> these guys can handle it. What? Why is it just important to have this conversation and to come on the podcast and talk about these issues? Do you want to go first or do you want me to? I'll let you
2: go.
1: Um, I, I think a lot of people still look and judge, not just us, anyone that's different than them and having conversation allows people to open their hearts. And if they're having the conversation with, you know, if the conversation is motivated by faith or learning and love, then. Um, then great, great, great progress can be made. I think of my adorable grandma who she's she's an elderly woman and she, um, I don't even know if she ever knew a gay person. You know, I, I don't know if she ever knew anyone that was gay and she now happens to have two gay grandkids. I'm one of them. I was talking to her on the phone the other day and I was talking about some of the mean things that we still see and hear um you know walking through Costco. And uh she asked about Graham and about our future plans for kids. And we we have what high a,
0: what a great question to ask. I love that she asked that question.
1: Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> I was so grateful. We we have high hopes for surrogacy. We want to have more children. And I was telling her this and just kind of explaining oh you know it can be difficult to find a good match and my probably 90 year old grandma said, Oh, my gosh, I just wish I were younger. So I could do it for you. Be our surrogate. And my jaw, I mean, the tears, and my jaw was on the floor. I just that that never would have happened if I, I want to be careful not to make it sound like I'm responsible for any any of this. I'm not the reason good things are happening. But I came out. And I'm making good choices. And I'm contributing to society. At least I'm trying. And I have a family that I love and I I care for. And because of that, my grandma and I get to have these conversations and I've seen her heart open. I've seen her heart change. And this this can happen for everyone if there are conversations happening, if people will listen with love. And in our situation, especially, of course, I get a little protective of Adam because I've seen the tears and I've heard the I, I've heard it all right I know how it went down and, and what happened and I feel really bad for both sides but when people badmouth Adam because of what he did quote unquote you know this terrible thing that he did to his family it just um tells me that more conversations like this need to
0: be had that's a really good segment and In my book, listeners, I talked about mixed orientation marriages and when one ends, you know, sometimes we naturally want to find the good guy or the bad guy in a marriage that ends and the villain and the hero. And I've learned listeners that that often doesn't, that prevents me from mourning and bearing in comfort. And sometimes I do that just to justify my own worldview or whatever. So let's just not try to do that. Um, let's just try to be kind. None of us understand the complexities of another person's marriage to judge them and why that marriage did And let's not make you the villain or her the villain or anybody the villain. And, you know, we come out of conference talks with pretty clear messages about love the na- love our neighbor and not judging. And that's certainly a central message of our scriptures. And sometimes, but sometimes, it takes you guys in a story like this podcast to say, okay, how do we do this in real life? Adam's coming out of a marriage with the son. You're both gay. You're both now is the same sex marriage. So this to me is sort of the application of what we're taught in real life. And that's what I think, I I hope you're okay with this listeners. I think that's what makes our heavenly, I think our heavenly parents are really happy when we get along And we support each other. I sometimes make the statement that we sometimes develop these. I think it's a false dichotomy that to fully love and follow God, I need to stop loving some of his children Mm. or I need to be critical of some of his children. If I'm kind to you guys, I'm somehow condoning and supporting you. That then makes me not that make God would be unhappy. And I think I think we can just honor that commandment. It's they're not rank ordered love the Lord with all our heart and love our fellow man, ourselves. I think we overcomplicate that sometimes in our life. And, and I've just learned, you know, and listeners, I want a marriage like these guys to succeed. If these guys that have been together for this long feel this is their path, I don't sit on the sidelines and privately hope it fails. Um, I hope it succeeds. I hope all marriages where someone goes into a marriage um, fully committed to each other, a monogamous relationship Um, with a lot of maturity going into the relationship that you two seem to have. It's not perfect, but I hope that's okay. Listeners, if you're active LDS, that's just the way I look at this, and I recognize children coming into your home. Um, I'm not going to try to figure out if those children are worse off or better off. I'm just glad they're coming into home with two committed partners. Um, Some would say, well, is Graham going to be gay because he has two gay gads? And I'd say, well, You guys have two straight dads, and you're gay, so I'm not sure that. (laughs) Thank um, you. (laughs) I'm not sure that the parents' sexual orientation causes the next generation's sexual orientation. So I think it's likely Graham will be straight, and I, putting words in your mouth, I think you'll be fine with a straight son. It's Mm -hmm. not like you have this gay agenda, quote unquote, to convert everybody to be gay. I think you're, you know, you're you're cringing here and laughing. (laughs) I know that. So I think. You're mature enough to be supportive of everybody around, just like you are of, of, your, of your family that wants to stay in the church and straight people that are straight. You're not trying to convert them. Yeah. And I think your neighborhood even recognizes yours, hopefully as you, their kids interact with you, that it doesn't, they're not going to somehow become gay because of hanging in your home. Yeah. Um. And another comment listeners, and then I do want to turn it back to these guys, is Uh, You know, there's lots of ways to live life off the covenant path. (laughs) That's kind of a, we never talk about that, but, you know, I just recognized a lot of the guys coming out of my high school in late 80s that were gay. Um, That was a pretty brutal road. They just didn't have a lot of options and they often went to the club world, multiple partners, and that was kind of the only path they had. And that's one way to live life off the covenant path. And you guys are living life off the covenant path, but... There's just better ways to do that, and I recognize a committed, long-term monogamous relationship with God in your life. Yeah, you're off the covenant path. (laughs) We all knew that starting the podcast, (laughs) but it seems to me that's a much more healthier approach. And so, I just hope we as Latter-day Saints recognize, you know, that it's just there's nuance there and there's differences there. And I think if we're kind to people as they're making their way, even if it's outside the church, they're more likely to to feel the love that they need to feel so they can feel God loves them and their, as their families love them, that maybe God can still love them too. And maybe I can still have a relationship with God and the Savior. And, and I don't need to turn to numbing things to take away all the pain that I feel. I can I can move forward in my life in a responsible way and have a career and a meaningful relationship and be a good parent. And so that's kind of, listeners, the way I navigate this space and you may agree or disagree with that, but that's just kind of how I'm navigating the space. So I'm going to turn it back to you guys. And if there's anything you didn't agree there, please let our listeners know.
2: No, it's well said.
0: Um, Adam, then Jordan.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm grateful for this opportunity to be here on this podcast and share our story. And I'm hoping that everything we've shared has been something that someone can take away and learn from and and you know hopefully there's a someone listening who who doesn't feel like they have had they have a path they can follow and hearing hearing some of the things we've shared can give them that path to make sure that they know that they have a place on this earth and that we all love love them. So I'm just grateful for where I am. I'm grateful for my heavenly Father and grateful to be here.
0: That's great. Thank you, Adam Jordan.
2: Um, I I'll just finish. I mean, yes,
1: I echo everything Adam just said, and I I'm I'm really grateful for people like you who create space for um, really honest conversation that is met with love and or that's you know had with love. I have friends and family who. Um, kind of wrote me off when I came out, or not when I came out, but years later, you know, that aren't in my life right now, because I'm gay, because of the choices that I make. And I think a lot of it just comes from fear. And so these conversations, the, the more these conversations are had and heard, I think it can only help. And I always have a prayer in my heart that anyone who is scared or uneasy um, around gay people will feel, um, that it's okay. Like, like, it's just okay. It's hard, you know, for us, it's simple. And we've been out now for years. But I just, it can be hard at times to, to, to understand why people complicate things the way they do sometimes. But um, overall, I'm just really grateful for um, conversations like this one, because I think they're progressive, and they help us all learn and, and do better. And essentially, I, I want these people back in my life, I, I want, I I want my life and my social circle and my family to be full of love and support. And we're all very different than each other in a lot of ways, not just because we're gay or straight. And so it it can become less um, daunting and, and less of a thing, you know I, I don't know if I'm articulating're doing well, a good job. Anyway, thank you very much for I for love the point us. about
0: fear and you before we went live you actually talked about fear versus faith. Um, and I think um, Satan's one of Satan's greatest tools is fear and um, but faith in our heavenly parents and the plan of salvation and the doctrine of love each other to me brings us together. And so I'm really grateful for you guys reaching out. Um, um, This is Jordan Hanks and Adam Paulson that have been on the podcast, Two Good Men, in a really good spot. And I think the work you've done to get where you are makes the rest of your life possible. Um, I often meet with, you know, people that have gone through, they're just in, I think you're your personal best right now. Um, would be maybe one way to describe where you are. I think you are your personal best right now that you've ever been. And I think that makes the rest of your life possible. And I recognize on some pragmatic level that uh, listeners hope you're okay with this, that having each other in your life has helped you get there. And yeah, if I were your YSA Bishop, I, you know, would be, I would remind you the teachings of our church and you need to live those teachings to fully participate. But I just recognize the complexities of this situation and that I'm not inviting everybody that's gay to find a same-sex partner, listeners, but I am recognizing that some choose that path. I call it self-determined. I don't invite people to choose that path, but if they self-determine, as you two have done, this is the best path for us, then I'm going to support that. And I do recognize that um, often that path brings the things that my wife and I have is someone to share our life with and someone to have our good days and bad days with and um, to do the laundry together. And it's just boring stuff that couples do. So anyway, listeners I've spoken a little bit more than I usually do, but um, this is the name of the podcast platform is listen, learn and love with the goal that we can all come together as the same human family based on the doctrine of Christ and using these real life examples. And I'm grateful for brave people like Adam and Jordan that step forward to share their stories. So take God with you in your lives. He's there now and take him with you in your lives. And you guys have a great life ahead of you. And um, shout out to your families that are walking a unique road and doing the best they can. And I think you've honored them today and showed that they're not perfect, just like I'm not perfect with my kids, but doing a good job.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
0: And listeners, I'm going to plug my book. If you're not a regular listener, this is a book that's available at Desert Book and Amazon called Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, and just has a lot more stories. Um, It is very educational to Jordan's point. Just you hear a lot of stories, you develop better vocabulary, better framework. You have less fear. I don't have any fear of interacting with LGBTQ people because I still can make mistakes and say the wrong thing, but I've just been in the space long enough. It's a comfortable space for me, and I'm glad about that because it's just enriched my life by having... More people in my life. So I keep saying goodbye on this podcast. I never <laughs> do. So you'll probably be ready for me to stop. So I will. So thank you for joining us, listeners.